0: Welcome to the Wild Type Podcast, I'm Melissa Slizards.
1: I'm Neptune the Chameleon,
0: and we're, and we're your reptile reptiles. girlies. This one's for the wild type of girls. All right, today we have a juicy topic. Yep, yep, yep. Looking forward to this one. Yes, but first, as always, please follow us on all the socials at the Wild Type Podcast. Leave us a review.
1: Subscribe, comment.
0: Yes. Thumbs up. I always forget the YouTube things because you're the YouTube girl. I know,
1: I know. What do they say? (laughs) Ring the bell. That's something I've never said, right? Like turn on notifications. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. You want to smash that subscribe button. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) absolutely. No, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Though we have a very good episode, take yes. it away.
0: We are going to be talking about the common mistakes that we see new reptile keepers make.
1: Yes, and both of us have been in the hobby for quite some time. Have pretty big social media accounts, so we get new questions Constantly. from new keepers <laughs> all the time. Plus, we see all
0: yeah. all the things. And I just find it important to note, at least for me, I've made a lot of these mistakes. Not every single one, but. I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning too. So we all do it. We just want to talk about it to help set other people up for success better than we were.
1: Yeah. And if nothing else, you can be like, wow, I remember when I did that. Right. You know, now this is where you are and you're that's literally your reptile (laughs) TV. Exactly. I
0: screwed all of this up.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Or maybe you're listening, you're going, I didn't know. I wasn't supposed to Yeah. And I hope and I hope
0: that's the case. Like that's, you know, the whole goal is like we want to help other people figure out the best way to care for their animals. Yes, this is gonna
1: be a very reptile heavy episode. So if any of my non reptile friends are listening right now, you might just want to
0: feel free to skip this one. This
1: (laughs) This is gonna be a very reptile heavy focus. But I think the first one we should talk about is UVB. Cause that's
0: <sighs> yes. huge, huge. Well, especially in recent years too, which is really interesting yeah. because I don't know about you guys, but I certainly have noticed almost, I mean, I'm now in the camp of pretty much every reptile should have UVB lighting.
1: Yeah. But then for anyone who's new to reptile keeping, like that wasn't always the case, no. right? Crested geckos don't need UVB. Yep. These animals don't need UBB.
0: Leopard geckos, like there, there were, there are, were and are so many reptiles that even five years ago it was not common to see them using UBB. It was UVB. one of the
1: perk. It was one of the selling yeah, points. Hundred oh, percent. This animal doesn't need that's a, heat a great bulb point. Or UVB I forget UVB bulb. about that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the thing with crested geckos. It was like they're in particular. so easy. You
0: just need yeah. heat. Blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. Dang, I forgot about that. That's but wild. then
1: like in the chameleon world, like that's not not a thing. Not an option.
0: I would say, and I'm sure there are more, but and I'm actually going to say three, there are three reptile species that like back in the day were like 100% you can't skimp on UVB and that's chameleons, bearded dragons, and I believe you're a mm.
1: Yeah, definitely beardies. I'm not yeah. familiar with your massive yeah. care, especially they're, like they're a little less common a while ago where yeah. they were, they were at. but Yeah. I would yeah. agree with that UVB for, for beards and chameleons has always been the case, mm-hmm. but very recently we've seen it with Oh yeah. Leopard reptiles.
0: geckos. Um, I'm giving, oh, I'm currently in the process of upgrading all of my snakes. I have three snakes. Uh, my yellow Anaconda Tarzan already has UVB, but pretty soon I'm going to be adding it for my scaleless corn snake and my hog Island boa. So,
1: yeah. So a, a mistake we see new keepers make is just not using UVB mm-hmm. at all, mm-hmm. but then Unfortunately, you think you're using the right UVB bulb, but actually it's yeah. the wrong UVB the bulb. The wrong
0: percentage or the wrong bulb. And I mean. in the chameleon
1: world in particular, we see this all the time. Like it's pretty well known that yeah. you need heat and UVB, yeah. right? Like that's standard, and it's but it's pretty the compact.
0: Devastating if you don't use the right UVB bulb. Correct. For chameleons. Correct. And, and beardies correct. specifically. Yeah,
1: it's not a nice to have. It's a have to have. Mm-hmm. And it's not you have to have UVB. You have to have the correct yes. UVB. So I think people I think it's becoming more common now, which is great. I think but so,
0: yeah. I feel like it is.
1: It <laughs> wasn't common knowledge, though. The difference between a compact and a linear... Mm-hmm. UVB bulb
0: and for anyone that's hearing the word compact what we mean by that is the spiral one
1: yeah the squiggly one yeah the
0: squiggly one don't use it if, if you're using the, it rub it away the
1: round <laughs> fixture and I whenever I make videos on UVB I'm, I always emphasize I'm like the long linear yes, yes. you the one that goes across the, the horizontal one <laughs> enclosure yes it yeah. should
0: be like two feet long
1: but <laughs> like. then you get into the territory of a T8 versus a T5 so people use yep. a T8 which is a long linear. Mm-hmm. UVB bulb. I'm like, oh, I'm doing it. And I'm like, actually, the output's
0: so different. <laughs> yeah.
1: So. Yeah. And the T eights are just thicker, older mm-hmm. bulbs, like yeah, older technology.
0: They're one of like the, yeah, like the OG bulbs.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 But the T fives are, much more efficient and penetrate much further into the enclosure so research your species make sure you're using the correct uvb bulb make sure you're replacing your uvb bulbs
0: regularly and just an important note i know we kind of touched on it being you know detrimental things like that just to be very clear one of the main things that if you don't have the right uvb it can easily cause metabolic bone disease so i just want to be clear that that's one of the main reasons why uvb is so critical
1: yes because metabolic bone disease is fatal yeah Straight up, like it,
0: it's, it's it's fatal. It's not reversible. Once once your pets have you know mushy bones, there's there's really not much you can do about it.
1: Yep, yep, so. yeah. So that's the first one we wanted to talk about was U V B. What else is on your list?
0: Supplements. Oh, which yes. also goes hand in hand with the U V B, which is why I wanted to talk about it yep. right after U V B. Yep, absolutely.
1: So absolutely. oftentimes
0: people will either do like too much vitamin D three, not enough vitamin D three, not even that's use that's calcium at all. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I I will say this. A lot of people think supplements are supplemental, which they are. And then they get the idea Mm -hmm. that they're like, a nice to have like, Oh, you know, twice a month I'll use this or like, I don't, I don't think I need it for my reptile. I'm like, no,
0: you absolutely do.
1: Every single time you feed your reptile, you should be using some sort of supplement and it's going to vary from species to species. And so it's so important that you have a set supplement Mm -hmm. schedule that you're following. And like, I know you have a tracker. I have a tracker where we keep you know tabs I'm on which days are, say, yeah we using i've definitely
0: fallen off sometimes when i get really busy and forget to track but nine times out of 10 you're I am tracking now right yeah. like you're you I've know, got it you're, not, got you're not you're I've not got a a new down keeper solid. <laughs> yeah I've got it down pretty solid
1: I will say back in when I was first getting started I had a whole like calendar like oh, pinned yeah. to my wall and I would write down had, like Neptune's poop his supplements yes. shedding how many bugs he I ate.
0: filled out that calendar for you and I've had that several times
1: yeah, <laughs> absolutely but you know you get into your routine and yeah. like you do it enough times that you're like okay I know which days are my multivitamin days right I don't need especially to like
0: yeah you just kind of get used to you know certain weeks of the month certain days you're like oh, okay it's monday this and that and so yep, yep. you you get pretty used to it but i will say my pro tip for keeping track of your supplements is a dry erase calendar that's what i used mm-hmm. for years I, I i'm using more of like a book now that i write it all down in just for permanent tracking but the dry erase calendar is incredibly helpful absolutely
1: yeah in to like Supplements can get confusing. I feel like UVB yeah. and supplements are the most confusing mm-hmm. things. People can understand the concept of heat. They can understand the concept of what plants to use yeah. and substrate. That all makes sense when you're new to reptile keeping. But UVB and supplements is such a foreign yeah. foreign concept. Because you look at other animals they're keeping. If you've only had cats and dogs before right. or a hamster and before. And as long as like, you're feeding them, they're fine. <laughs> but you're not providing them with UVB. You're not no. providing them with powdered yeah. supplements on top of their on top of their bugs. So I feel like that's a a really steep learning curve, but Mm -hmm. luckily there are tons of great resources out there. And the purpose of this podcast is not to give you guys a detailed supplement routine, but just recognize like, hey, maybe it's worthwhile to go and check out some good resources and just double check that your supplement routine is
0: correct for your species. Yeah, 100%. It's it's pretty critical. So. So if we're
1: talking about lighting, I think we also have to talk about red heat bulbs. Yeah
0: why do those exist dude who i literally literally don't understand you you can't give me a reason that makes sense you cannot give me a reason that makes sense and so okay so for anybody who you know we're literally speaking to like new reptile keepers specifically yeah. here so like if you don't know what we're talking about the red heat bulbs that are sold in every chain pet store yep ever and that are marketed as good for use at night because quote unquote the reptiles can't see the red light wrong I don't wrong
1: there's there's two things like and I I'm so knowledgeable Mm -hmm. on chameleons and like barely know anything about other species so (laughs) correct me if I'm wrong but like I don't think there's many species that need heat
0: at night like so that is one of the and that is i'm so glad you brought that up because that's something i wanted to mention because that's one of the biggest misconceptions is literally unless your house is getting into like the mid 60s at night you don't need additional heat at night for like the majority of reptile species right right it's always important research your species if that's not true for your species this doesn't apply but i would say i own i have owned 10 to 15 different species in my lifetime, and not one of them has been a species that requires heat at night.
1: Okay, thank you for clarifying because, like I was saying, I know chameleons and chameleons benefit from the temperature right. drop. And a lot of people get nervous, and understandably so. Like, we don't like to be mm-hmm. cold when we're sleeping, but it's right. so beneficial for their body. <laughs> I beg to
0: differ. I like to be cold when I'm and sleeping. No, no, no.
1: I'm like, <laughs> I want to be a little snuggly.
0: Nah, I'm a good 68, I want to be like tucked in. Mm. <laughs> she thinks I'm I'm getting
1: goosebumps being cold. Just thinking about that. I
0: also have a husband who also likes it very cold. So yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah, no, I, I like it warmer for sure, but people get nervous. Like, Oh, I don't want them to get too cold. And like, I get that you're, you know,
0: but what you have to remember and what you just said, I think is another key point to this is that the, the temperature drop at night is natural. Yes. They would have that in the wild. Correct. And like they're not I said, sitting
1: at seventy one.
0: No, at all <laughs> times. Like that's time. crazy. Like it yeah. it it's actually beneficial for them to get that temperature drop at night. And when I say te- when I say temperature drop, I'm not saying dropping from seventy two to sixty degrees. That's not okay. But as long as like for me, like my house never gets below sixty eight degrees and that is perfectly fine yep. for every single one of my reptiles.
1: Yep. Yeah. And I will say chameleons can get down to the sixties. Yeah. Like, um, I would say under 50 would be mm-hmm. probably too cold for them, but we'll get more into cold yeah. keeping later in this yeah. episode. But a lot of people use the red heat bulbs for nighttime, but I've also seen people use them during the daytime, like as their basking yeah. bulbs.
0: Yeah, no, I know. And I mean, so I will say I scientifically, I'm not 100% sure about like all the information here. There are like a lot of like rumors and things that say that like the colored red lights do actually hurt their eyes. I don't have any like 100% specific scientific proof to back that up. If anyone does drop it in the comments, happy to read it, (laughs) all of that. Like, however, regardless of whether or not it hurts their eyes, what it does using those red heat bulbs at night, it affects their natural day night cycle, their circadian rhythm. And it's, it would be like you sleeping in a room with a light on at all times. I mean, you would never get sleep. You would want,
1: yeah, total, total darkness at night. Yeah,
0: and and so that's the number one thing is that it disrupts their day-night cycle, which just messes with their whole system, and it's not good. And the reason that happens is, regardless of whether or not they can see the colored light, they see light.
1: Yeah, but if we're going back to the daytime red heat bulbs, Mm -hmm. even that, I mean, they're wide awake, but even that is problematic. And again, going back to chameleons, They are so dependent on color Mm -hmm. for their food, for communication. And so by having that red bulb, that disrupts that ability as well. So it just, red bulbs are not a good option. Instead use a white Mm -hmm. light, um, that's producing some sort of
0: halogen, halogen bulbs are fantastic because they give off infrared a and all of that stuff. So that, that kind of lighting is ideal, but regardless, you should only be using like white light. Yep. Yep. So no, no, no red bulls here. Nope. Yeah. That's a big one. Okay. My next one is bad substrate and there are a number that we can list. Oh
1: yeah. Oh yeah.
0: So my number one that I tell everybody never to touch with a 10 foot pole is calcium sand or Vita sand. It's not okay. However, don't get scared away from sand. Itself, because sand, when mixed into other substrates, is a great option.
1: I'm learning all the things right now. I know nothing about sand, (laughs) so I'm like, ooh, sand. This is is why we
0: work because I I know all the other species. I don't know. You know all the chameleon (laughs) stuff. Yeah, but calcium sand in particular is really, really, really bad because since it is made of calcium, it actually encourages the reptiles to lick it.
1: Oh, and and then ingest it and then mm -hmm, get yeah. yeah. And
0: but I will say substrate in general like loose substrate doesn't cause impaction
1: yeah that's such a common misconception and maybe we should have an episode where we talk about like myths in the in the hobby because i feel like that's one like if you have loose substrate like your reptile is going to get impacted and die
0: and that's just that's literally information from like 10 years ago update your research please yeah
1: yeah like i said we'll do i think that's a great
0: future episode topic where we can talk about myths
1: and how communes don't Change colors to camouflage. That
0: but, you too. Know. <laughs> that too. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why calcium is so bad because it actually encourages them to lick and eat it. Right. We don't want that. And then, like nine times out of 10, if you're using calcium sand, your husbandry is also not on point and they're going to get impacted extra easily because it encourages them to lick it.
1: One I see all the time is Repti bark. I know that's something that we don't recommend in the chameleon Hobby. Very similarly to kind of what you're saying. Is like if a cricket landed on one mm-hmm. of the pieces of the bark and then your reptile goes to try and eat it and ingest the bark, then that's mm-hmm. another impaction risk and something we yeah. want to avoid entirely.
0: Yeah. And the any any colored sand, dyed sand, it can dye their feet. I personally made this mistake and used this with my leopard gecko for like three years and the really? poor thing had orange feet. It was awful i have so many pictures from way back in the day no it's awful i don't even like to think about it because it breaks my heart because it was so not okay but i didn't know any better right
1: right and this is the whole point of this episode guys is if we can call these things out and you're going oh no yeah i'm using that it's okay just know you're not alone i did it just make (laughs) make the changes right and you know and then go, go from there one we should talk about too is the reptile carpet
0: Yep, that's the a big bane one. bane
1: of my I existence. I hate that stuff. I
0: hate it. I hate it. And people it.
1: use it because at least with like chameleons, like trying to absorb the water, right? Because yeah. you're like constantly misting down mm-hmm. the enclosure and stuff. But there are such better options. And the last yeah. thing you want is this like
0: soppy, wet. Also specifically with chameleons, your best option is no, nothing.
1: <laughs> but people don't, don't think of that as an option. Yeah. Like I have to put something down there. Now keep in mind, if you're a new keeper who has two sticks, one plant and spraying it six times a day, then yeah, you're, you're going to have water everywhere. And you're like, how do I right. deal with all this? So reptile carpet, I again don't it's know if any good. reptile who uses it. And I'm telling it.
0: you right now, if you if you are looking at me like I'm crazy and saying, "But I wash it, it's totally fine." It I, it washes. There's, no, it doesn't. There's so no, much better doesn't. options.
1: And that's the thing too. Like if reptile carpet was a superior choice, that's different. Yeah. But there are much better mm-hmm. options that mm-hmm. are safer, that are more natural, yep. that are just lower risk. Because yep. even if you are washing it every single time, like there is still an inherent risk that there's little mm-hmm. poop particles chilling on that. Yep. Carpet festering, growing yep.
0: under the heat lamp, Who knows? under the heat lamp, going up into the air, Who getting all what? nasty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, don't, don't use it. They're impossible to clean. And then for my side of things, this doesn't really apply to chameleons as much, but, um, for my side of things, if you're loo- using them for leopard geckos, African fat tail geckos, bearded dragons, stuff like that, their claws are getting stuck in that carpet and they have the potential to get pulled out. Yep. It's just, no, we don't want that.
1: We don't yeah. want that. There's Keep so many clas in your paws. Yeah. Yes. I like that. Should that be on a t-shirt too? <laughs> <laughs> For sure.
0: For sure. <laughs> okay. So we've
1: got substrate. What else do you have on oh, your let's list?
0: Let's see. Let's see. Um, and this is one that I am very, very guilty of. Buying all of your bugs from chain pet stores. And animals. And animals. That's the biggest one. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think just chain pet stores besides supplies i think supplies are safe to purchase from
0: they're getting a lot better i will say like the pet smarts of the world in particular i
1: saw an arcadia bulb
0: they sell arcadia now they sell arcadia and they're selling um bioactive stuff they're I'm selling so they're selling springtails they're selling isopods I'm so yeah. like i'm all for it so it's like the so
1: dry goods i feel like you can sp- fairly you can safe. Do.
0: specifically buying bugs from chain pet stores is something that i used to do pretty much all the time. Like you know, like back yep, when we yep. first became friends, like I would just run to Pet Smart twice a week. That was yep. like my routine. But and I don't I haven't ever experienced this that I know of because I do fairly regular regularly check my pets for fecal tests, mm-hmm. but um I've heard horror stories about people getting bugs with parasites in them yep. and their and their animal from you know a chain pet store having that issue.
1: In buying animals from mm-hmm. chain pet stores, I know of people who have purchased animals and they already have parasites yeah and it's just the most heartbreaking thing it's just they're cranking out these animals and these bugs left and right so the quality is not there the genetics are Mm -hmm. not there and a lot of people don't know which is why it's such a common mistake for new keepers because they're they're trying to rescue the animal or they don't know any better and so they're like oh bugs i'll just buy these or oh a chameleon a gecko i'll just take you home
0: i do want to touch on what you just said about rescuing it Oh,
1: um, should we get,
0: <laughs> we don't have to get <laughs> deep into, get it. into it. We don't have to get, we, conversation. we do not have to get deep into it, but I just want to say rescuing them from a chain pet store is not rescuing them if you're paying for them.
1: Yeah. Cause wh- I mean the business is getting money.
0: Yep. You're supporting it and they're just going to continue selling live animals. If you're supporting it the sale of is, live animals,
1: such a hard, I've made video about this. I'm yeah. like, look, there's no right answer because you don't want that animal to suffer and realistically die. It breaks all the hearts. Like cause if you leave, you know that animal is not living another like week or two. Right. So it's like, okay, but then if you take them home, then it's just going to be replaced with another mm-hmm. animal because then the business is looking oh look we sold six reptiles yeah. this month let's throw eight in the
0: basic economic supply and demand if there's a supply for it if, they're and if moving you're moving out the it, door
1: they're putting new ones behind mm-hmm.
0: it especially if they're making money
1: from them yeah i will say there are instances where there are like severely sick animals at like petco PetSmart, and they are true rescues because they surrender right. them to the
0: to and, the person and if they surrender it this doesn't apply like if they surrender it and if you're not paying money for that animal, that's a rescue. 100%.
1: But it's the instances where they're like, oh, they look so sad.
0: Yeah. And I just had to take him lonely.
1: home. Yeah. You know, and then they just, you know, they buy them and then are ill-equipped. They don't have the correct enclosure mm-hmm. or supplies. And then it's just a, s- a snowball yeah. of problems. But again, that's uh, yeah, a whole we nother. <laughs> I, was like, I was
0: like, we got to stop. We got to stop. We, that's we'll, a whole
1: nother not, conversation. We could go on
0: to that for ever but my so my next mistake and this is one that is not necessarily new but I would say is in the last few years becoming more and more prevalent that I firmly agree with
1: can I guess what you're gonna say yeah overhead heating
0: yeah
1: you knew knew it it. (laughs) this is something that you feel very like very very strongly strongly about this about this Yeah. yeah
0: because I have directly seen the impact and the benefits of my animals and how it has impacted them providing overhead heating versus like under the tank heating. So that's yes, what we're that's, comparing that's, it against. That's the difference.
1: Yeah, we're talking heat mats, which would be belly heat on mm-hmm. the bottom of the enclosure, yeah. which was the standard.
0: Oh yeah, for absolutely. For years. Forever.
1: No one even considered I have overhead like, heating.
0: Guys, I literally have like 17 heat mats in my supplies closet because I have used them for so long and that I have so many.
1: And I think part of the reason why we've seen this development is because we've seen improvements in the enclosures. Mm, yeah. Because a lot of these enclosures weren't even equipped right. to try and handle... Well, overhead heating
0: and specifically with that, the, the over the, um, under the tank heaters, the heat mats, if you're doing bioactive, they will not work. You cannot use them in a bioactive enclosure, which I think is what,
1: that's a good point too. kind of a chicken and egg, mm -hmm. multiple things kind of moving us in that direction
0: because the bioactive enclosures are becoming more and more the norm or even just naturalistic at the very least, which I'm all for the the heat mats won't penetrate through all of that substrate or even if you have a drainage layer for bioactive it won't go through that so you if they just don't even apply anymore
1: so question for you because i know trying to juggle a bioactive enclosure Mm -hmm. is a lot for a new keeper overhead heating is a lot for new like there's just a lot of moving parts you're trying to get the basics Would you recommend for a new keeper who maybe has got a ball python their very first reptile, Mm -hmm. would you recommend they start out with overhead heating?
0: Oh, yeah. Yes. 100% I would recommend starting out with overhead heating, but always keep a heat mat for, like, emergency situations if, like, you don't have a bulb or anything like that. But... I recommend this for any, and this is a whole other episode topic about quarantining. So we will get into that another time.
1: There are so many
0: like tangents that this episode could take that we're not going to let happen. Um, Stick to the the script, stick (laughs) to the topic. Um, But basically anytime you get a new reptile, you should always start out with them on nothing but paper towels. And that may sound harsh. That may sound kind of cruel. You want to put them in a beautiful, amazing enclosure, but the reality is when you first bring an animal home, you want to be checking for any medical issues. You want to be watching yeah. their poop meticulously. Which is
1: hard to do when yes. there's a bunch of other factors or things inside 100%. their enclosure. We keep it sterile. We keep it clean. Mm-hmm. We make sure the animal is eating, pooping, yep. you know, shedding correctly. Yep. All these signs of a healthy animal. Yes. And then we can move them into their
0: enclosure. So with that said, I would always recommend anytime you get a new reptile doing that, doing your bare minimum quarantine enclosure. We'll talk about the details of that another time. But- in that quarantine setup, I would recommend using overhead heating so that you're starting off with the get-go, um, with the right heating. And the reason just to go into a little bit of like the reasoning belly heat is great. Absolutely. And I know a lot of breeders will, you know, preach that heat mats are better because of belly heat. That's fine. There, there is some truth to that, but the reality is you like belly heat in the wild comes from where the sun I was gonna
1: say because if you have your overhead heating and you have, I know you have those little like slate rocks that you like to use inside your enclosures. Exactly, those get warm, nice and toasty, Mm -hmm. and then your reptile go and just cozy on up against the rock.
0: Slate is like the perfect heat conductor. It like absorbs so much heat, and so the reality is when you're using overhead heating and you have that basking spot directly on those little flat slate rocks you basically get the benefit of belly heat and the deep heat penetration if you're using a halogen bulb or a deep heat projector, which is what you should be using, FYI. Um, (laughs) You're getting the deep heat penetration from above, but also from the belly heat, so they're getting the benefits of both.
1: Right, and again, the whole point of this episode is not to go into like, too the much nitty detail. gritties of it, but more so let you guys know, like, hey, these are things that we see mm-hmm. from, you know, keepers that and, were and like... And just
0: trend, nee. trends in the hobby because some of these yes. things are in the last few years more of the norm than they ever um, used yeah. to be in the past. Totally.
1: Totally. One common thing I see all the time with new keepers is that they feed one bug, one type of bug. It's <sighs> and and either what,
0: what bug is it?
1: Either crickets or mealworms. Yup.
0: I hate mealworms. I hate mealworms. them.
1: Mealworms. And I'm like... And they're like, my my reptile only likes mealworms. Or I don't care. What my Get him reptile... off of the drug, friend. Get him off <laughs> of the drug.
0: They will eat other bugs. I promise you.
1: Yes. So I think this is twofold. One, there's just a lack of knowledge. People yeah. are unaware mm-hmm. that there's other bugs because they are going to their Petco PetSmart and all they see are crickets and mealworms. Yep. Maybe a hornworm here and there. But like
0: one hornworm in one box for, for $5. For $5.
1: It's ridiculous. <laughs> Absolutely
0: ridiculous. Crazy. But
1: anyways so they they just don't know yeah. that there are other bugs and that not all bugs are created there's equal. there's so
0: many bugs guys there are so many bug options and variety is so freaking it's important my for your reptiles when i get a
1: comment on tiktok and they're like what bugs can i feed besides mealworms i'm like how everything much, how much time do you have everything and then i hit the character <laughs> limit every time because i'm just <laughs> listing off especially with camille's because they can eat flying bugs
0: which is super cool right? that's one of my favorites You can do wax
1: or mm-hmm. wax moss you can do hornworms or hawk moths Like mm-hmm. you can hatch everything into flies. So now you have two types of bugs yep. in one. Yep, it's like Bogo there's, there's buy one a, get one.
0: There is a long list of bugs that you can use, guys. I mean, it is crazy, and variety is just so important for your reptile because they, they it, get it, different nutrients from different types of bugs.
1: It's it's so simple and so obvious because we are not over here eating mm-hmm. just chicken and broccoli right. every single day. Like it's good to have yeah. that variety, especially not all bugs are as nutritious as others. There's treat bugs. Absolutely. There's ones that are higher in protein, higher in fat. So point of this try and branch out, try some new bugs. And if mm-hmm. your reptiles refusing to try those other bugs, like I have tips and tricks videos, yeah, you have tips same. and tricks videos. Like there's ways to get them onto other bugs besides just Again, the mealworms.
0: Specifically mealworms and waxworms. They are a hell of a drug friends.
1: Oh yeah. Superworms?
0: <laughs> yeah. Those too. Yeah. They'll get addicted to those fast.
1: That's like candy. Yeah. Reptile candy.
0: Yeah. You got to be careful with those.
1: Yeah. So I know, um, I don't think we've talked about enclosures too much, but I know back in the day, like aquariums, like the fish hobby just kind of like encroached into the, reptile Mm -hmm.
0: hobby well i think because people looked at it and they're like oh a tank's a tank like you know and and because the even the front opening reptile enclosures it still looks like a glass tank and so people just assume that they're the same as like a fish a fish tank yeah and i'm guilty of this literally i think we talked about it in the last episode but um my when my dad got me charlie for christmas he put it in our he put him in our old fish tank right like he just didn't. He just thought it was fine. He was like, "Oh, we got a tank. Why would I buy another yeah. one?" Yeah. Which, which I get to some extent, but unfortunately, aquariums just aren't as equipped for reptiles. They don't have the proper ventilation. They're usually not the correct sizes. Like, there's just a we, lot. Yeah, we
1: didn't talk about this before, but I think small enclosures are also mm-hmm. um, a mistake we see new new keepers make and i think again it's just a lack of knowledge lack of education you know maybe lack of resources because Mm -hmm. those larger enclosures do come with a hefty price tag on there but it's better to start out with the correct enclosure the correct size save up your money get the right thing from the beginning so you're not having to double buy things move your enclosure like your reptile between enclosures and
0: and i just have to say this if you have any reptile or any amphibian well maybe not amphibian but if you have any reptile in a 10 gallon tank I'm almost 99% certain, percent certain that it is too way too, small, way too small. Just don't do it.
1: Yeah. So making sure that it's the right type of enclosure, that it's made for mm-hmm. reptiles. And I'm going to put a little caveat on it. Just because there's a picture of a reptile on it does not mean it's suitable yep. for a reptile. Yep. So make sure that it like, yes, that it's made for reptiles, but it's also the right kind i'm just thinking of those stupid thrive enclosures yeah. you know what i'm talking about a oh yeah smart. they're like a hexagon yeah why why is that a thing
0: <sighs> i don't even know, man. Do you know
1: how many geckos I've, and chameleons Crazy. i've seen in there i'm like Crazy. but they slap it's a picture of a veiled chameleon right, right on and, front.
0: and so because of the branding because of the prep packaging like people think <laughs> that you know it's appropriate for that animal drives and it nuts.
1: simply is not drives me yeah. nuts okay i'm trying to think are there any other mistakes that we see often.
0: That is everything that I had on my list.
1: Okay. One thing I think we should mention to round it out is a lot of new keepers just are afraid to ask questions
0: yeah, or
1: get help, right? Like we're trying to proactively tell you guys these things, but if at any point you have questions, you're like, I don't know what she means when she says T5 yeah. or vitamin D3. Like, please just ask for help. The internet is an amazing resource. The mm-hmm. reptile community, there are some deep dark corners on the internet, <laughs> but for the most part, there they, it is a really yeah. wonderful community. And if you're willing and wanting to make changes to your enclosure into your reptiles' health and well-being. Like yeah. there are people that will help you through yes. that.
0: And I have to say too, just if you ever are asking the questions and you ever come across somebody who is unkind about it, please don't be discouraged from asking other people. Right. There are some people out there who, you know, may not be kind about questions and, you know, to each their own, but don't be discouraged from asking other questions to other people. Just move on and find somebody else who is willing to be kind because this is not something that anybody should ever feel guilty for asking questions about.
1: Yeah, and for any of the chameleon listeners, I do offer one-on-one calls if that's ever something you're interested in where you can chat one-on-one with me and like I will help you through that. Right. But there's also hundreds of videos, right? Like Be proactive. You don't have to necessarily ask every single question. There are tons of amazing resources. And once you find a good one, stick with it.
0: Yep. Absolutely. That's yeah. super, super important. Yeah. But I think that covers our main topic for yep. today. Yep, I you think know? so.
1: I think so. I think we've given people lots of things to think about. Lots
0: to noodle on. Feel free to
1: let us know what maybe some mistakes you've made or things that you've seen or things yeah. you wish you would have known when you first got into keeping.
0: Trust us. We've seen it all. But uh, I mean, always happy to hear you know any new tips, any new resources. Like yeah. I said, Absolutely. we're open to whatever.
1: We have some very exciting news in the chameleon world. Our friend Bill Strand from Chameleon Academy is officially working with custom reptile habitats to launch a new line
0: of arboreal cages. With his 40 plus years of experience working with reptiles, we just know these new enclosures are going to be next level. The first cages in the Chameleon Academy line even have special features specifically for bioactive environments.
1: Both Bill and custom reptile habitats are huge advocates for advancing reptile husbandry, so we are thrilled about these new enclosures. Visit chameleonacademy.com for more information.
0: We want to thank Josh's Frogs for supporting the Wild Type podcast. Josh's Frogs is an online animal and reptile supply retailer who you may see at your local expo. We always love stopping by their booth.
1: They only sell captive bred animals and their sales support animal conservation and research. They offer a large variety of feeder insects for your pet reptiles and amphibians that will arrive right to your doorstep. A three-day life insurance policy is included, making it so easy to feed your reptile nutritious bugs.
0: So if you're looking for some crickets, use code THEWILDTYPE10 to save 10% on any sized crickets from Josh'sFrogs.com.
1: Big thanks to Pangea Reptile for the support of the podcast. They're one of the leading companies for reptile supplies, lizards,
0: and their world-famous gecko food they just released their brand new micro feeding dishes made specifically for baby or micro geckos. These smaller dishes can be mounted to smooth surfaces and even branches and will help stop your gecko from getting food all over their enclosure. If you own a gecko, you know exactly how nice it'll be to not have to clean food paw prints everywhere.
1: Head on over to PangeaRaptile.com to check out these new micro dishes along with their other amazing products like their face packs for shipping, chameleon kits, and gecko food.
0: Our segment for today is actually going to be another tips from the pros. Whoop, whoop. So today, because it's December and we're getting into the nasty, drizzly, cold weather. Bear. I hate it. I hate it here. <laughs> I'm a summer girl myself. I am so not a winter person. But we're going to be talking about how to keep your reptiles warm during the winter.
1: Yes. And this is so important. I know we were talking about how you know, yes, they need the temperature drop and do well with the colder mm-hmm. temperatures, but there is such a thing as
0: too cold. Absolutely. Now, Absolutely. these are
1: animals that come from the desert, the yeah. rainforest. They're mm-hmm. not coming from Antarctica. They okay? have no <laughs> idea what
0: it, like if, if if you live up, you know, in North or if you're in Canada or if you're, I mean, you, you know, <laughs> that is so not the right environment for those animals.
1: Now, there's two things to think about when we're talking about colder temperatures in the winter, just like normal day-to-day temperatures, but then like, natural disaster, like extreme scenarios yeah. when you lose power. Absolutely. So I think just as a just general statement for like day to day keeping, one thing I see all the time is they're like SOS. I live in Chicago. It's like three degrees outside. What am I supposed to do with my reptile? I'm like, what temperature is it inside your home? Yeah. They're like 74. And like, then you're why fine. are we talking about this? You're fine. You're not keeping them outside. <laughs>
0: that's actually great. I've never had anybody say that. Are you kidding me? I mean, I have people say like where they live and like how cold it gets. But I, but whenever I say as long as your house is like at a certain point. They, but
1: why are you asking me if you live in funny. Antarctica? I'm like, as long as you're home. Because you're not living well, in a home
0: where it's 32 degrees inside. And I will say as somebody who recently moved into a two-story house, maybe they're reptiles in a space that like the the heat doesn't get as distributed to because but it's not gonna be 30 degrees I know I agree that's a little crazy (laughs)
1: like I live somewhere super super cold can I have a reptile I'm like does your home have a heater? Yeah. Like what, what temperature is but your home? That,
0: that does lead us to our first tip, in my opinion, which is something that I, it is on my ultimate goal list in the next couple of years to get for myself is to get a good backup generator.
1: Okay. But this is going into the emergency I know, situation. I, know. I feel like just for regular keeping, one thing is just to yeah. have a higher wattage heat bulb. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. I, even though, yes, it's not going to be freezing cold inside your home. Odds are it will be a, free, a few degrees Cooler right. in the winter time than in the summer, so you may need to bump up from like a fifty watt to a sixty yeah. watt heat bulb or something like that. Yeah. So that may be something good to do, but I think yeah. beyond that, there's not a whole no. lot more. No. Okay, cool. Yeah, then yeah. we can get into the. Emergency. I was about to say, I
0: was like, this mainly applies to emergencies. <laughs> I feel like
1: <laughs> so this is instances where you lose lose power, yeah. right? Or your heater stops working yeah. and you do have this animal who is dependent on mm-hmm. having some sort of
0: heat source. Yeah. So it's you mentioned
1: generator. That's
0: huge. Huge. I'm like dying to get one now that I'm in a house. I'm like, I, I need to have a generator backup. And that
1: goes both ways, right? If it gets mm-hmm. too hot, like if your AC goes out, yeah, that right? Too. And the temperatures creeping up and up and up.
0: And I have had that issue. I lived in a house with a roommate and it was a three-story townhouse and our HVAC went out in August- In the hottest month of the year, insane. Yeah. And we luckily had two HVACs. So the one on the first floor was working, but the one on the top two, the two and three floors was not working, which is where my reptile room was. Yep. And it was, awful i was so freaked out because i like didn't know what to do because the temps were getting increasingly higher and higher every day
1: right you're like am i about to pack up all my reptiles and take them to walmart i, or? I mean i would have
0: yeah like i <laughs> literally didn't know what D, to do
1: right like yeah. if power goes out i'm like right everyone's got their to-go box and we're gonna go chill at walmart <laughs>
0: yeah we're just gonna go hang out in my car <laughs> chill Anywhere in a parking lot has air
1: conditioning yeah
0: it was i mean any emergency situation if i've been in the too hot scenario and then and that's even harder in my opinion it's it's easier to bring temps up than than it is to bring them down. Yeah. So that is really tough. That you know, I would say just like have backup options for that.
1: Uh, yeah, having um, a portable AC unit and a portable heater. Yes. Right. Just those little space heaters yes. that you can just like throw in a room. And this is good because, to your point, there are definitely rooms in a home that will be colder than others. Yes. Or maybe it, you know, is getting in the fifties at night. Like. That's not freezing, but that is a smidge. It's chilly. Still you know, too cold, yeah. Especially depending depending on what what species you're of course. keeping. But a portable just a room heater yeah. would work. So you're not having to stress about, you know, paying to heat up your entire home yep. or cooling your entire yep. home. You can just use a little space heater or, you know, A C unit or something like that yeah. in that one room that your reptiles are in. So then you can monitor their temperatures.
0: Totally. But specifically for cold ones. So, some of my tips, and like, and I know these are, you know, some of yours too, I always have hand warmers on hand. Yep. I always keep those. And just an important note, if you're ever using those for heat for reptiles, make sure that you're wrapping them in paper towels or towels because
1: they're not directly... The
0: the direct contact with the hand warmers because it is an unregulated heat source. You can't you know, use a thermostat for a hand warmer. So you have to make sure that they're not going to have direct contact with it, which is important. But you can do that with heat, with uh, hand warmers, or you can do it with reusable hot water bottles. Those are really key.
1: One thing I see with in particular, because they're in screen enclosures, yeah. that's really hard sometimes mm-hmm. to regulate not only the humidity, but also the temperature, right? So, Right out yeah. right out of the enclosure. So what you could do is wrap the sides of yeah, the enclosure. That's,
0: I forget about that.
1: Yeah. So you're basically makeshifting like a hybrid enclosure. Yeah. So you can just use like a shower curtain or a cool background or whatever. There's tons of different options and I've that even, can help.
0: I've even seen people wrapping them with saran wrap in real emergent situations, which is uh, a little crazy.
1: Oh. Uh, Okay. I guess that, I guess that could,
0: I mean, you have to take it off every time. So it would have to be a repeat thing, work? Yeah. but I've, I've seen that in like truly emergent situations. Yeah. But no,
1: I would say most people just get like a shower curtain from the dollar store yeah. or something like that and just like wrap the, yeah. wrap the, the sides. sides of it. Mm-hmm. And if you're going into like the extreme scenarios, you could take like a blanket or a towel or something. Yeah. Basically you're just trying to hold in mm-hmm. the heat. So it's not hold in as much
0: heat and moisture as you can. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah.
1: So just be prepared and recognize that your reptile can probably handle it a little bit colder than you give them. Yeah. Give them credit yeah. for.
0: But my my rule of thumb, for the most part, for at least most of the species that I keep, is if I start if it starts getting under sixty eight degrees, then I'm kind of like, oh, okay, I might want to you know up the heat or you know do yeah. something.
1: For me, it, the number is sixty.
0: Yeah. But That's I keep the, primarily. I would, I would say under sixty chameleons. is like. For, for me at least, under sixty is like you need you need an option.
1: But if it's sixty degrees in my home, I'm having problems, right? Like <laughs> I'm accurate. wearing two jackets, yeah, fuzzy socks, sure. like oh, hot yeah. cocoa. Like I am fully aware that it is too. It's too cold yeah. for me. It's yeah. it's know. too cold for
0: you. Yeah, for yeah. the reptiles.
1: Yeah, but I'm a, bi- I'm a big baby with the for with the cold. So sure. don't don't mind me.
0: <laughs> What's been your Have you ever had like a super emergency situation pop up? Mm-mm. Nope. No? nope. Okay. All of mine have been. I've been I've been pretty lucky too. I would say my my biggest risk was that summer that that the AC went out. But it, I,
1: but I did it was on my mind though, right? Because yes. I'm like, okay, it's getting really warm outside. Yeah. Like people are losing power, so when people around me. Are losing power then i get into That's little when like I start freaking out a little panicky mode because mm-hmm. i'm like okay i will be fine if my house is 100 but degrees my pets won't but my be. pets won't and so that to me is yeah. what and so i kid you not i'm like okay who do i know has ac oh that, yeah and this is i mean i only have four reptiles right. so it's a little easier for me to like pack them up and, you know, move them if I need to. But
0: I had one time that we were just having like record low temperatures and people were losing power and it was getting really, really scary. Yeah. And I was dating my husband at the time and I literally had to tell him, I was like, I'm and again, we were just dating. This was like, I think in our first year and a half of dating. And so I literally was like, I'm just warning you, if my power goes out, I am showing up at your door (laughs) with (laughs) like 15 reptiles. I'm so sorry. Right? No.
1: Yeah. It's, so it's definitely been been on my mind, yeah. right? The extreme cold, the extreme heat. I do make sure that I have, you know, things yes. in place that like I know I can try and help hold in temperatures if need be, mm-hmm. and then in worst worst case scenarios, like where can I go to make sure that they're well taken care of? Right. So it has definitely crossed my mind, and I have been in since instances where that was a very real possibility yeah but hasn't actually happened that's
0: exactly my situation the only one i've had was the ac going out where i was like i'm really starting to freak out but then yeah. but then our landlord fixed it and it was fine so. yeah. yeah 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 no yeah i'm i'm no. with you yeah yeah all right well does that wrap up our I segment i think for today? that is a wrap yep okay well if we didn't list a pro tip that you have for winter time please tell us because i mean there's I'm sure tons of other tips out there please drop them in the comments let us know we would love to share more tips absolutely so if you have any others just let us know but yeah so our next episode next week we're very excited it's going to be how to name your pets Yes. We both have different strategies for how we do that. oh yeah, so yeah. yeah Excited to, to talk sh- through. Them. Yeah,
1: excited to share with the, you guys, you know, a little story time yeah. on how we name our pets. And maybe we'll even talk about how we named the podcast, right? Oh, yeah. I think that, that would be fun to talk about. But thank you guys so much yeah. for watching. Make sure to subscribe, give a thumbs up, follow us at the Wild Type Podcast on all things social media. You've got Lissa's Lizards, Neptune the Chameleon. You can give us a follow as well. Otherwise, thank you guys so much for yeah. listening. Watching, Thanks for being here.
0: We appreciate you. In
1: yeah always have a good day guys we'll talk to you later bye bye reptile girlies